Welcome to Harrison Church. Thanks for joining us this week. Mark your calendar for Saturday, May 19th at 5 p.m. We're having a community picnic with food, music, fun, and family. Open your Realm app and find the notification to RSVP. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Pastor Shane Page. Amen. Thank you, Jasper. Man, we're glad that you're here uh, to lead us. You may be seated. You know, I shouldn't have sat you, but I'm going to keep you there. We normally stand for the reading of the Scripture, but you were so eager... I'm not going to disrupt that, um, but I'm, I'm. thank you guys for all of your leadership this morning, and thank you for coming. If you are uh, visiting with us today, I am just delighted that you are with us this morning. Uh, we are on a sermon series. Uh, we're at part four now of this series we're just calling Alive. Uh, it is still the season of Easter. Uh, we've got one more week of Easter, and then it's Pentecost, and the next thing you know, it's uh, into the end of May and into the summertime. Can you believe this? And what we're doing for just these last few weeks is we're just trying to consider the stories in the Gospels where Jesus brings new life to someone. We've talked about Nicodemus. We talked about the woman at the well this past week. And now today we're going to talk about another moment in the ministry of Jesus when he brings someone to new life. And I'm going to be reading from our Mark's Gospel from the second chapter. So this is going to be very early on in the ministry of Jesus Should I have you stand? I should have you stand. Please stand for the reading of the gospel, please. All right. Verse 1. When he, Jesus, uh, returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door, and he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof. Jasper, I like your reference. Let's raise the roof. They removed the roof above him, and after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once Jesus perceived in His Spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves, and He said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Stand up and take your mat and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, He said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take up your mat, and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we have never seen anything like this. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I love that line, when they could not uh, bring him to Jesus because of the crowd gathered there, they just removed the roof. That's just hilarious to me. Uh, if you were following along here, there's so much action going on in this passage. And uh, those of you who know me, you know how scatterbrained I can be. And I've been thinking all this week, like, what am I going to preach on? And uh, because there's so much going on, once again, in this passage. And uh, so I came up with four sermons. I could not decide on which sermon I was going to choose for today. So I haven't done this in a while. If you're visiting with us, this may be a little bit different. If you've known me for a while, you know this is, I've done this before. So what I have for you today 
are four sermons on Mark chapter 2, 1 verses 12. But they're condensed. They're condensed sermons. I know we have the table here a little bit later. Okay, but I came up with four sermons. And the, the first sermon was this. All right, this is my first sermon. Didn't quite make the cut, but here it goes. I was looking at Mark and how Mark said that Jesus returned to Capernaum. You can actually visit Capernaum today when you go to Israel. And it's right off the, uh, the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And it was reported that he was at home. And uh, most scholars nowadays think that the home that Mark's referring to here is literally Jesus' home. We don't really think of Jesus having a home. But he lived in Capernaum, that this was his actual residence. He would have had a mailbox here. Maybe uh, he built this home. He was a carpenter after all. So Jesus is at his house. Uh, there's a bunch of people gathered there when suddenly there is this huge disruption. Uh, the roof comes undone by a small group of people who were eager to get to Jesus. Now you can imagine in the moment that that roof came undone, just the, the huge mess that that would be. And you just think about the dust and the debris and the chaos and, and all the damage. And it's Jesus' house. And uh, Jesus seemed to be pretty good with this. He didn't mind it at all. At Jesus' house. And so here, here's what my sermon was. So I started thinking about Jesus' house. And I started thinking about the church. That we are Jesus' house. Right, we're the place where we gather. We have the word preached to us. And here's what my sermon was going to be. That Jesus wants his house to be a wreck of a place. That Jesus actually wants his house to be a place of absolute chaos. A huge mess. Now this is not my understanding or my vision of what church should be, Jesus' house. My uh, vision of what church should be is that church should be a place of quiet order. Kumbaya. You know, a sanctuary from all the chaos of the world. But this isn't Jesus' idea of what his house should be. Jesus actually wants his house to be a place of disruption where all kinds of people, interlopers, are trying to get in, where the board of trustees have a fit because of all the damage people are doing to the property. <laughs> you Methodists know who the trustees are. He wants the, he wants the church to be like this. And, and, I, and I, started, I started thinking about you know, churches nowadays. You know, we're on a long kind of trend. A lot of churches in the United States are on a decline. And if you look at some of the churches in this country, one of the reasons that they're on decline is because they want their houses, they want Jesus' house to be very clean and very respectable where certain people should not come in. And yet the churches that are doing well and they're out there are the churches that invite the chaos that maybe the sign of a healthy church in Jesus' mind, his house, is the place where people are coming in and there's always a, a repair that needs to happen somewhere. There's always some kind of chaos. That the sign of a healthy church is that he wants his house to be kind of a wreck, kind of a place. And so I thought I was going to end this sermon. I was going to say, Harrison Church, let us be the kind of church that's chaotic. Let us be the wreck of a church of Jesus' house. And I thought, yeah, it just sounds so dumb. I can't end a sermon like that. So that sermon didn't make the cut. But it's there. It's interesting to think of, though, isn't it? Jesus' house was a wreck. I think he wants it that way. So then I had another sermon idea. And this sermon idea concerned the four stretcher bearers. That's what I'm going to call them. The four stretcher bearers who tore the roof off of his house. They tore the roof off. 
I mean, think about this. To tear off the roof, this is a sign of clear desperation. These people were desperate to get to Jesus. And then it hit me. There's my sermon. Are you and I desperate to get to Jesus? Like when you woke up this morning and it was Sunday, were you desperate to get here? It's like some of you were laughing. You know, is your soul, I'm serious about this. Is your sole ambition in life right now, is like, is the one thing that you want more than anything else is that, is this to be in the presence of Jesus? Are we desperate? Because really, if you kind of assess Christianity nowadays and in our culture, it's a lot of sloth. You know, we remember that sermon I preached on this, this kind of sleepiness and everybody's kind of like, oh, whatever, whatever, you know. There's not a lot of hunger. There's not a lot of desperation. And yet these people were desperate to get to Jesus. And he loved that. And he honored them for this. This kind of desperation made me think of one of my favorite saints in the church. I really love to read about some of the saints. And there's this young girl. Her name is not, it's not Mother Teresa, but it is a Teresa. Her name is uh, Teresa of Lisieux. She's from France. She, uh, she lived in the 1800s. She died at 24 years old. And she did leave behind an autobiography and it's a beautiful story. And if you read it, even as a little girl, she would get up uh, on days and she would have this constant prayer. She would pray something like this. She would say, Lord Jesus, you are going to make me a saint. I am not going to settle for half measures from you. You are going to give me everything you've got. I will not rest until you make me a saint. See, she was desperate. And then when she was 24 years old, she contracted tuberculosis. Now, in the 1800s, that's, that's it for the most part. And she died at age 24. And yet now today we know her as St. Teresa of Lisieux. She was desperate. Jesus honors us when we are desperate to get to him. That's where the blessing is. I was thinking about Teresa, and I've said this before to you, and now's a good time to remind you of what I've said in the past, is that you and I, and I believe this is true, you and I have as much of God as we want right now. If you just want a little bit of God, you're just going to get a little bit of God. But if you want everything, like Teresa said, that God has, He will give you everything He has. Your relationship with God is as deep, and it is as alive as your desire for it to be. Are we desperate? Are you desperate today? Are you desperate to get to Jesus? We should be hungry for that. We should be desperate to get to Him. And it's, not, it's more than just that. So these, these stretcher bears, they weren't just desperate to get to Jesus. That part is true. Here's the other part of the same, of the same sermon. They were also desperate to get somebody else to Jesus. In particular, a man people in those days would have said had no business in Jesus' house. A paralytic in the first century would have been considered a social outcast. And yet these four friends, these stretcher bearers, they insisted, we don't care what people think. They were just insistent on getting this man into the presence of Jesus. And Harry, there's another question, isn't it? I mean, it's one thing to say I'm desperate for Jesus, but are we also desperate to get others to Jesus? Especially those we don't think have any business being in Jesus' house. And how's your witness? 
Why you witness? I mean, this is what we're called to be. I mean, Jesus did not say to his disciples at the end of his ministry, he didn't say, go out into all the world and tell everybody, it's cool. Everything's cool. You believe what you want to believe. I believe what I want to believe. We'll just get along. He didn't say that. Nor did Jesus say to his disciples, go out into all the world and tell people, you need to straighten up your life before you can come into Jesus' house. He didn't say that either. What Jesus encouraged his followers to do, he said, I want you to go out into the world, make some disciples. In other words, bring them to me. Bring them to me. Go out into the highways and the hedges if you have to. Bring people to me. I want them here. I want them in my house. I mean, how is our witness? We got churches. I mean, churches can get so often caught up in the defensive. We think it's our job to block. Block people from getting to Jesus. And yet, the church is called to be the place where we, we, we're desperate to bring people here. Are we desperate? So those are really the two questions. Are you desperate to get to Jesus? That's one. But are you, in your own life, are you desperate for others to get to Jesus' house? That's the second sermon. Then I had a third sermon. And the third sermon was going to be about this. When it says, Mark says that when the, uh, the, the people tore off the roof, Mark says that Jesus saw their faith. I think that's important. We'll get to that. Jesus saw their faith, and then he said to the paralytic man, Son, your sins are forgiven. And the first thing that I was going to comment on in this sermon was I was going to say, notice the visibility. The visibility of the faith of the stretcher bearers. That is so hard to say, stretcher bearers. But notice their visibility. And this goes back to a theme. I promise everybody, I had no idea I would be referring to this again and again and again. This is the third time. But there seems to be this theme that keeps coming back up. And I said this last week, I said this a couple of weeks ago, that Jesus actually expects us to exercise a public faith. Do you remember me saying that? That he really does want us to have a visible faith. You think about Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Remember Jesus? Nicodemus comes to Jesus when? You remember? At night. He wanted to be kind of the night follower, the private follower of Jesus, the secret admirer. And then the next uh, week, last Sunday, in the very next chapter of John, Jesus blesses this woman from Samaria in the middle of the day. And then in the middle of the day, she goes and says, come see a man who has told me everything that I have ever done. She went public with her faith. And even here, even here, Jesus sees faith's visibility. Jesus saw their faith. There was something demonstrable. I can't say this word. Demonstrable about their faith. So the first part of this sermon would be to say to you, is your faith visible? Is your faith visible? Can people see? Can people look at you and tell that you are a disciple of Jesus? So there's that part. But then there's the other part here that I think is just as important. Notice that it was the faith of these four people who made it possible for this man to be healed. The paralytic, in other words, came to Jesus, received healing through the faith of others. What am I getting at? Here's the point I want to make. You and I, we so often think that when it comes to having faith in God, that faith in God is something that we have to manufacture in ourselves. 
I got to believe, I got to believe, I got to believe, I got to just believe, I got to believe, or else toast or something. No. I want you to notice something that it was through the faith of these four people that this paralytic received healing from Jesus. They believed for him. I think that's interesting. It was their faith that Jesus saw, not the paralytic's faith. Am I making sense? I mean, if you are younger, well, no. If you are older than 12, you know that there are moments in our lives when events happen, when it becomes very hard to believe. And it's in those moments when we need to rely on the great company of the faithful to believe for us. It's reminded me of uh, something that happened at my last church. There was a, uh, a gentleman, very active member of this church. You want to talk about a visible faith. This man had a very visible faith. It just was written all over him. A day came when he got the worst news any of us could imagine. Uh, his young adult son, who lived in Atlanta, was killed, was murdered. And we were all just shaken because everybody knew him. And um, he had to leave, of course, to, to go to Atlanta. And he was gone from the church for a while, for a number of weeks, taking care of, of you can just imagine. And um, I remember sometime later, two or three months, I happened to see him again. And it was right before a worship service. He was coming into the worship space. And I just walked over to where he was. And I just said to him, I said, tell me, how are you really doing? And he looked at me and he says, I'm having a very hard time believing in God right now. And I immediately said to him, I don't know where this came from, but I immediately said to him, you don't have to believe in God. Let us believe for you. There are moments in our lives when we just don't have the faith to muster within ourselves. And it's those moments when God gives us the gift of the communion of saints. And it's the saints that show up. And they believe when we can't. And we can lean on their faith. And we, we, can, we can let them believe for us. And i got to tell you, this, this last week, my family and I, you know what we're doing? We are leaning on your faith right now. Um, most of you got the announcement. Uh, if, you, if you didn't, I will tell you that last week I got the unexpected news. We're a little bit before them, but I got the unexpected news that I will become the senior pastor of Davidson United Methodist Church in July of this year. And I have been so grateful by the kindness and the well wishes from you, uh, I mean, I've really been blessed by this because my family and I, we are grieving right now, uh, having to say goodbye to this church that we have grown to love. And I've been so thankful that I can lean on your faith. And, and many of you have said, hey, God is with you and your family, Shane, and God is with Harrison right now. And it's been great for me to hear that kind of reassurance. And Pastor Elizabeth Coppage Henley, who's going to be your new senior pastor, she's leaning on your faith right now too. 
She needs you. I had a chance to meet her last Wednesday, and uh, she met with some of the staff, and, and guys, you, she's wonderful. You're going to love her. Great energy, great sense of humor, but she's leaning on you right now. It is up to you to lift her up, to kind of carry her in your prayers. And what a gift to know that we don't have to believe alone, that we can rely on the faith of one another and each other's trust in God, right? So that was the third sermon. One more sermon, and it's the shortest one of all. Fourth sermon I had was the, the words of Jesus. So here are those, those stretcher bearers. They, they rip off the roof. They make a mess. They lower this paralytic man down uh, where Jesus was. And then Jesus says to the paralyzed man, My son, your sins are forgiven. And I can imagine the stretcher bearers and the paralytic probably thought, Not exactly what we were hoping to hear, O Lord. What they were probably hoping to hear is, You are healed. But instead, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. There seems to be kind of a disconnect there, but you guys are wise enough to know there's no disconnect at all. You know, many often, oftentimes it's the pronouncement of forgiveness over us that can become our source of healing. He needed forgiveness. He got his healing, but he primarily needed his forgiveness. And that's really the good news of Easter. I, I think I've said this almost every year. I've got a few weeks with you. You might hear it again. But the announcement of Easter is not, hey, everybody, there's heaven when you die. The, the, the ultimate announcement of Easter, well, the primary announcement is that Jesus went to the very people who sinned against him and forgave them. And so often in lives, uh, our lives, sin can seem like a paralysis. Sin is understood like that. You can get stuck. You know, you, you've done something and you, it haunts you. You keep replaying it and you feel like you can never go forward. You can never get beyond it. And if, if you're someone that's here like that, if, if you've got something in your life that you can't let go of and you feel like you're stuck, what, what Jesus says to you is that your sins are forgiven. And I love what he said to the, to the man. He says, get up, get up, move on, walk. Get out of here. Go home. What Jesus is saying is that you can move on. Move on. Walk. And if you're someone who needs the forgiveness of God this morning, what Jesus is saying to you is, move on. Get up. There's a future in front of you. You're not stuck. You're not immobilized. You can move forward. And let that be your healing. You are forgiven. So those are the four sermons. But let's go ahead and just enact what Jesus did right now. This sacrament, the food from heaven, and the hope that I have for you today is that you will receive these elements with hunger. I want you to come this morning desperate for Jesus. I tell you, if you come hungry to Jesus, He will fill you with His grace. And there's another thing. In the Methodist tradition, all of you are invited to the table. We can't set up blockades here. You can come. 
and you can come close. We're going to say a few words of blessing, and uh, the servers are going to be standing over here, and I'm going to serve them. Kyle and I will serve them. We are going to have some uh, stations before you as well, and you will come to the station closest to you. Uh, we will serve you uh, by what is called intention. We will give you a small piece of bread, and you will take that bread and dip it into the cup. Um, there are places where you might want to kneel, but I pray that you will be leaning on each other's faith right now. Maybe you need to pray for someone. Maybe you know someone who needs to come into the presence of the Lord. Maybe you need the faith of the church. Maybe you just need to keep your eyes open and see all these people who are coming to the table who have a firm confidence in the constant care of God, and you need to see this. But you are welcome to come. Nothing can stop you. So, Lord, may your Holy Spirit now come down upon us and bless these gifts now of bread and wine. Make them become for us now the body and blood of Christ that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by His blood. And by Your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. But having received from You, O Lord, I pray that we will leave this place filled with the confidence of our own forgiveness, but may our faith be public. May it be seen. May it be visible. Amen. You know, the bread that we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. And if you think about the ministry of Jesus, He was sent by His Father. And He tore open the roof that separated heaven and earth. And He came down into our midst. And this is the body of Christ for you. And the cup over which we give thanks. This is a sharing in the forgiveness and the healing of our Lord. You are welcome to come. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. As always, you can find out the latest Harrison happenings online at harrisonchurch.org or you can visit us on our Facebook page. Have a great week.